Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Coming up, three keys on how the Titans beat the Saints this weekend at Nissan Stadium and much more from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. This is Outkick 360. Got you for the drive home. And uh, if you're listening on podcasts, a reminder, you can find the podcast each and every day as soon as we're finished wherever you download your podcast. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook as well. Hit us up on Twitter to interact with the show. Also in the YouTube chat. Seen several uh, several of you chatting in there. Uh, Lance, shout out to Lance Lance Lee, Lance. who is back in the chat as well. I'll kick three sixties where you can find us and subscribe to the channel. Love Lance, love Lance so much. Right. So, so this Dalvin Cook story that we were just talking about, and we we're talking about it from the Adam Schefter reporting perspective of it. It is interesting to me how, with Aaron Rodgers, and now this, with everything that's going on. I know Reed hinted at, not didn't hit on it. He he hit on it yesterday in his primary complaint. Doesn't it seem like we can quickly, that media members can, can just turn their attention to something that's easier to debate? When you see something like someone killing someone with their car, that's not good enough to talk about how awful that was. You just immediately move on to, well, Aaron Rodgers did this interview with Pat McAfee, and now he's the enemy. So Dalvin Cook, there's a picture of his ex-girlfriend and her face is busted up, she's bleeding, and he's clearly apologizing for something he did in a message. That's posted in the Minneapolis paper. And then it's immediately, well, let's crush Adam Schefter. Well, I'll go the other let's, way Let's on move this. on to that. There's no two sides on Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs did a heinous criminal act. What's the rest of that conversation? And that, that's my point is it's not... Da- Dalvin no, Cook did a heinous criminal, apparently did a heinous criminal act, beat this woman in the face. The coverage of it was, is the thing to debate. Adam Schefter tried to sweep it under the rug initially and soften the blow to Dalvin Cook. But I have no... There's no real conversation to have about what Dalvin Cook did. It's another ugly incident of domestic violence. There's not much conversation there to be had, unfortunately. Uh, about it. I think all three of us are in agreement. But Dalvin see, I, Cook looks like a terrible guy. I think so much though with the let's let's we will play this weekend. Let's take it to yeah, the which uh, is reprehensible. Let's the take way. it to the Well, he's not I mean he's not guilty. Right, but they've they domestic abuse situations, guys who've not been he found guilty. He maintains his innocence. Get true or uh, false. Yes, but guys who have not been found guilty of things who are involved in domestic violence issues have been put on the commissioner's exemption Well, it's list. been going on for a year. Uh, uh, this happened a I'll, year ago, I'll and he's playing. i see that raise you to Sean Watson. Yeah, he's, been, he's played. <laughs> Again, this happened a year ago. She's, she's now filing the, the yeah, complaint. But Deshaun Watson is more the exception than the rule with many because of these the, guys. Because and, the team let the league off the hook with their decision not to play. Correct. Because he wants to be traded. Because he doesn't want to play for the organization. Correct. The well, team let the Dalvin Cook the wants to play, and he will, he will play. I'll take this into the Adam Anderson thing at at uh, at Georgia. Everyone agrees, rape bad, awful. What he's accused of doing, terrible. No one debates that. So now the debate becomes: When did Kirby Smart know about it? Right. How does this guy play? 
allegedly commit this act on a Friday morning, load a bus, get on a plane, go to Jacksonville. The report is given to the police on a Friday afternoon, and somehow that info does not get to either Adam Anderson or the Georgia football program. Or they don't act And he's on. allowed to go out and play. Or they have it. And or they have, and, they, and, and again, that to me, that's gross on, on Georgia's part to not put the guy in street clothes. You don't, I mean, I understand not sending him on a Southwest flight home, but he's on the sideline in street clothes if, if you, you know that's been a locker room. So that then becomes a debate. And to me, with the, Aaron Rodgers and, and Adam Schefter now, again, two very different things that we're talking about. I think so much, you know, COVID issues aside, vaccination um, opinions on it aside, I think so much of it comes down to, especially with Aaron Rodgers, it moved quickly to, is Aaron Rodgers okay having COVID and not being vaccinated? Because he looked fine. No one was asking that question. Are the reporters and teammates around? Okay. No one was really asking that question. It really becomes a, I'm jealous of Aaron Rodgers that he skirted the system and got away with things that I wouldn't. Ryan Tannehill's an example, Paul. You asked him about it, right? It comes down to, why does Aaron Rodgers get away with that and everyone else doesn't? I think most of the, the league probably agrees with Aaron Rodgers in a lot of ways and doesn't really care that he has that stance on homeopathic versus whatever. They don't really care about that. The issue becomes more of, why Aaron Rodgers and not me? Why does that guy get away with it and not me? And I'll say the same about Adam Schefter. I think a lot of this, and look, I think his first tweet was really short-sighted and seems rushed, but I think a lot of this comes down to Adam Schefter gets every story. He makes a ton of money. Why does Adam Schefter, he's not getting away with it this time. He's not getting away with giving one side from an agent that gives him news this time and less about the ethics of reporting mm-hmm. or journalism. Well, I think it's inconsistent rules enforcement that gets us the most, right? The taunting rule is inconsistently enforced. This COVID policy is inconsistently enforced. And we don't think it's fair. Where we see unfair, we get we get concerned. And the Schefter thing is inconsistently enforced. The best should win. The Star Tribune in Minneapolis had the story, had it rounded out. They had the pictures of the woman's face abused. That's what Klemko pointed everybody to. Oh, look, Schefter tweeted this, but here's the Star Tribune story. That has everything. Once upon a time, we wouldn't just automatically go to Schefter. We would go to what had the most complete report, and that would win. But those days are over. What wins is the thing with the most followers who gets to the most people, and that was Schefter. And that's why the agent or the attorney went to Schefter. I can get ahead of the story here with the guy who's got the most followers, whose headline is going to carry most people's opinion here. Never mind that the Star Tribune has done the homework and has the whole package. I just think it's fascinating that, again, I get it because we're talking about things that no one debates versus things that can be debated. So then that becomes the hot button thing for people to or latch even discussed. on to. Not just debated, but even really discussed. Speaking of things that should not be debated, our guy Dan Wolken is back at it. <laughs> I, I, I have to bring this up. What's he on? Um, I need to find the tweet. I'm not sure how you can cover something that people agree is a an escape from reality, which sports is, and not be liked. Like, when's the last time someone said, I, you know, I, Dan Wolken? I, I really go to read his work. Yeah, I enjoy him. No I, I one, just no don't, one says that. I do not understand 
It's such a good point, Hutton, because got to have no a, one is a, going a niche to Dan. Audience, at least. Like, who goes he to Dan? I want to know the people who go to Dan Wolken no for one. sports opinions. No one. But yet he's employed and propped up by USA and, Today. And he hates that. it. He clearly hates college football. Yep. He, he hates sports. Why, yep. why, are you, why have you not moved on? Why has USA Today not moved on from you? Why have you not been moved to a different department and cover something that you're interested in? So this was the tweet from Dan Wolken. Steve Sarkeesian talking about the Bo Davis video we talked about a little bit, I showed you guys, where he's going crazy on the bus because guys are laughing and talking after the loss, and he's using a lot of F-bombs and telling them to hit the transfer portal if you're not committed to winning here. Um, So Steve Sarkeesian, this is a, a tweet from Brian Davis who covers Texas. Steve Sarkeesian said about Bo Davis, I think one thing that jumped out to me when I first saw the video is you could hear the passion in Bo's voice. We really believe in our staff that we hired and what we came here to do. You could feel the passion and you could feel the desire to get it done. That was from Steve Sarkeesian. So Dan Walken retweets and says, interesting, the thing that jumped out to me was repeatedly calling players mother bleep uh, on the thing. I mean, Dan Walken's, his Twitter profile is him sipping red wine. And I'm thinking, this pairs perfectly with this take. (laughs) That your picture is in front of something in Napa Valley or some river and mountains or something drinking wine and, and this is your I mean get with reality like you've been around locker rooms you've been around hasn't. athletes at the highest like he level hasn't if you're surprised by that video look I, he's no he has he's like he's been, been he's time. been around college sports for a long time like it's there's a certain discomfort to that video but there's no secret that that's how coaches behave around players that's also how players behave around players yeah and uh, and around coaches, and coaches to a degree yeah <laughs> I mean, that's, that's sports, particularly football. But, like, you want to make something out of that? Like, the, the fact that he's using that word and that players are being... It's just... It's outrage for the sake of outrage. And once again, it's just someone showing us that he does not like sports. He doesn't like the culture. He doesn't like to be around it. But yet, he's employed to write about sports. Well, and I just don't understand how anyone would ever listen to that guy's opinion on sports. I, I think what we I found, can understand if you find him to be smart or witty or whatever in other areas, fine, if you want to follow him there. But when you have com- repeated takes like that, mm-hmm. that just clearly shows, I hate sports, I hate sports culture, I don't want to be doing this, I'm uncomfortable with everything, why would you want to read or listen to someone See, like that? I think that? you just kind of described what he is, though. You've got to have your niche, right? His niche is is sports for the non-sports people. Because we talked yesterday, I think, off air about how a non-sports person would react to that video. Say, your mom, right? My mom would be very surprised at that. And so he's writing, his outrage at that is directed to people like the administrator who would be surprised to hear a football coach talking to a bus full of guys like that and outraged by it because that administrator, he or she, does not know that that's how it works. But what a terrible right? market so he, to corner. Well, but he's got a corner because who else is doing I, I am the greatest music critic for those who hate music. I mean, that's what you're or essentially those who saying. Don't, those who don't understand how music works. But what works. is the market for that? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at well, There I'm is thinking, one because here he is. This guy has no fan base. Like, he's written about college football for that long, and all people do is talk about how terrible he is. I just don't understand. I, the market, I don't the market disagree is with for you. non-sports fans who don't know about Jerry Sandusky and the ties to Greg Schiano. That's the that's the market. Yeah. Because that's that's Greg Schiano is someone that he would go to bat for. 
Yeah, I mean, again, it, and that's that's part of the selective thing we talked no about doubt. with Adam Schefter with him. That that's a great point. But it's, I mean, I just I read takes like that from him, and I think, and Paul, I think you're right. It is. I'm going to be outraged by this culture for the grandmother, the and I'm mom, take it and show someone her. that I'm can't believe that they'll do that. But those people aren't consuming sports product regularly. So what? I mean, no, but he's getting everyone he's, is out here trying to make a buck at the end of the day. Today. That's what I, he's doing. He's making know, a buck. My how? paycheck cashes. But how? Like, it's I don't know. Because USA's he's taking that? that story and take and delivering it to an audience that usually doesn't read sports, and it's obviously providing them something. I don't know. I see some sports writers, Chad, that, that sounds are, like someone who hasn't asked for a raise in a decade, and they like him for it. Maybe not. But listen, or threatens listen, to sue every time they say we're going to fire defending, you. I'm not defending the guy. I don't like him either, and I don't like his, his work. But in the sports trash. writing business, I see a lot of guys now who are good. And I say, how's it going? And they say, the paycheck cashes. I see a guy. And that's what Dan Wolk is I see saying. a guy who probably could have well, used. To, to his credit, at least he admits he hates sports by what he writes and says. Well, I, I see a guy who could have used being called an MF at some point in his life, quite frankly. Yes. And was never talked to that He's way. probably and sheltered. Some, someone who He's didn't probably have a, coach. A, a spoiled brat. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and guess, spoiled brat, Northeastern raised, went to Vanderbilt, was never talked to that way by authority figures, and probably could have used it. For those that don't know and the history of the And that's the take you get when you go that, that well, far. Part of his job is to get talked about on shows like this, and he just did that. I don't think that's part of his no, job. part of any column. Because job. part of his job is to have a following. Like our job no one goes is to, to have people that want to tune into what we say or what we write or whatever – that that's not. I just don't see how that's a profitable no is, alley no to go down. Seeking out his content. I mean, again, this would be like me saying, "I hate country music." Now let me tell you about country music. <laughs> if you're someone that's you're right. actually loyal to country music brands, if uh, you're an advertiser on the show Yellowstone and your market aligns with people who watch CMAs, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have these advertisers, you know, truck companies bourbon, whatever, on these things, if I come in and say, I'm going to give you every opinion of how I hate this culture and how I hate this market, and then I'm going to sell that to other people who hate it in hopes that our advertisers will side with me, it just it makes no business sense to me. The average- other than I guess what you're saying is just a click from someone who would otherwise not click a college football story. Yeah, well, But you have no real audience but that the, way. The way you just painted it there, the advertising part is absolutely a disconnect. But if you're passionate about something, you, you just kind of talked me into it a little bit. If you're passionate about something and somebody's writing against that thing, I'll read that sometime. I'm, yeah, a, I'm a Springsteen not. fanatic. If somebody's writing anti-Springsteen, I might read that. Once. To see you, what they have to say so that out, I can though. tell them why it's wrong. But I'm not seeking it out, but if it's in front of me, I'll you, read it. But to your point, the Fonz and Porter quilting hour is seeking out Dan Wolken's college football coverage. The quilting like, hour? Yeah, it's a PBS <laughs> that show stuff? that's always on. Well, I'm flipping stuff? back. Like I'm going to the CBS game Clinton of the week. has it's such right an amazing it. knowledge of everything on PBS. I love it. You, it's you flip, right, well, it's right by show. CBS. What's another one? You have to flip by CBS. I do it for Channel 5. I do yep. it for uh, when I'm DVRing Fonz stuff. Fonz and Porter? Like Fonz Fonzie? and Porter. It's always on. It's always on. Right next good? to this old house. I love this old house. Fonz and Porter, I wouldn't know. Um, you don't stop on that one. It's a, it says quilting, and I go right by it. Just like when it's when it's Dan Wolken, I go, go right, right by it. There's no use to reading his That's work. That's a great analogy. But here's what he wants to present for uh, for an example of his work. This is still the pinned tweet on his Twitter is the mm. locker room story from the NCAA Women's Tournament last March. <laughs> that's, that's what he's going at. Right. About the weights? Yes. 
about yeah. about the sport that does not bring in the same amount of money as the men's tournament and how they should you know it's it, a lot yeah, of weightlifting just, going on. And also, he says he's not offended by that language. By the way, on his Twitter now, he he responded to someone and said, "Who said I was offended?" <laughs> He was just pointed out in case you wanted to be offended. He's never been punched in the mouth. That, that's his problem. <laughs> Again, I, 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 I hate to go David's, back to this. David's but willing yeah. to cure that. I feel like you know uh, oh, he was punched. He was punched over the phone by Chad Withrow. Once. Oh, he was. Yeah, you were going to tell was. the history. Sorry. Yeah, the history of the show. Uh, one of uh, one of Chad's greatest moments. Not the greatest moments. There have been, the been many. Top five. Oh, it, thank just you both. Tremendous with the Greg Schiano. Um, I just and, shot that. Oh, it, the uh, Chad, help me out here. This was a Sunday in November. Yeah, this was Shiano Sunday, Shiano Sunday with the Tennessee coaching job. I remember it because the Titans were in Indianapolis, and I was on the sideline, and I got a, my phone was blowing up through uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter alerts with, with people saying, you've got, you're missing out on the biggest story of the year with how fans are revolting against the hire of, of Greg Shiano. And later that week, I think, maybe the, a couple of weeks later, we had Dan Wolken on, who was all about Greg Shiano and ripping Tennessee fans apart. Um and we, I just uh, I walked him, uh, Dan on and took a seat. We both sat back with our, our hands headphones, behind our headphones heads on like and this. listened to he and uh, Chad go at it, and Chad dominated him. I mean, there was no response by Dan Walken in this. I mean, he made the mistake of thinking because he was private school educated his whole life that he could out intellect me, yes. and he could not because he was wrong. <laughs> he was wrong because we saw the text. Right. This was after the report came we out with the, John Curry's that's right. text. We had the text, and I'm bringing this up and say. Dan, do you not see how Tennessee fans might take issue with this? Direct text, When everything they're claiming is... Public record. You are saying this because you have sources telling you to say this. On a cell phone. And then public record comes back with him and John Curry texting. Yeah, the the AD at the time, John Curry, texting Dan Wolken to say certain things. Um, Mouthpiece. Mouth. The definition of mouthpiece. No doubt. Um, Coming up, Julio Jones, guess what? Back on the injury report. We'll tell you what the issue is. Not hard. Well, we'll tell you what the issue is with Julio Jones. And uh, we'll discuss Taylor Lewan. And then we will get to three keys on how the Titans beat the Saints this Sunday at Nissan Stadium. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360. Across the Outkick Network, 6th and Peabody, our location of the studio, Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Uh, again, you can interact with the show, follow us on Twitter or on YouTube. Outkick 360 is how you can weigh in on the conversation. Titans and Saints this weekend uh, here in Nashville is where we're located. Uh, Nissan Stadium, the site of Week 10 as the Titans host New Orleans. Uh, Paul Julio Jones has resurfaced on the injury report. He's good to go one week, back on the injury report the next. This will be a recurring theme for the rest of the season. It's been that way since the start of the season, since the start of training camp, and now he's back on the injury report with a hamstring issue that kept him limited. Teron Davenport uh, has video of of his last play of the individual period anyway, where he kind of pulls up a little bit and stops practicing during the open portion anyway after that uh, limited with the hamstring added mm. newly to the injury report today unbelievable yep. he's usually talks on fridays i'll be out there tomorrow to talk to him and i tweeted i'm sure fans are killing me that when we ask him about it he'll probably go huh 
because that's his Friday shtick about injuries. He, he pretends What's the point like of chatting with mystery. him? Then it's like it, I mean, well, we talk to him about. I know other things. he's a hard guy things. to get to know. I, I've not well, had any. But, kind well, you know what I mean, though. About. Like at some point, it's just like you have a hamstring. We're not even going to bother asking you. Here's a, here's another question. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I feel that way. I mean, uh, look, the Fridays have Fridays have become. Uh, a difficult day there know, too because the shape of shape of our week and the shape I'm not, of their I'm not suggesting are, are to different. not talk to him but the, well like david quesenberry talked last friday you didn't have to suggest to me that i not talk to him i don't need david quesenberry <laughs> on a friday and it's supposed to be half about them and half about us and i keep david thinking about our conversation no with dan shaughnessy yesterday yeah about the state of media in the 80s covering the celtics as opposed to today and then hearing these stories and i'm thinking man how much more fun it would have been it would have been much more you were embedded <laughs> Like it's a lifestyle yeah. when you were Shaughnessy and those reporters back then, but the access you would get and the honesty that you would get from people is just so different. So Paul, you you're right. You can't really interact with them for the most part. Well, well, I think I counted before the season 22 guys on this roster at the beginning who we in the press know in a way where we could approach them in a locker room and BS with them outside of having a, a, a notebook or a tape recorder out. Um, Taylor Lewan, what was his injury status today? Uh, he, what did he do today? Did he practice? Uh, it was limited, I believe, sorry. right? Limited for the second day in a row with the knee. He talked about turf bothering him. They practiced a couple times on turf last week. Couldn't bend the knee the way he needed to bend. And they were bend, inside today. Bend the knee, he said, inside again today. So they're probably limiting yep. him yep. On, on purpose with that. Listen, we talked. I don't doubt he's working as hard as he can. Um you know, he's he's mentioned Conklin, I think, um, and about what it took for Conklin to get back. And we know that Jack Conklin had a tough year coming back from his ACL. Um, it was the year where they didn't exercise his fifth-year option. Then he went to um, Cleveland, and he was all pro for the second time in his career, his first year in Cleveland. I was more curious about the, kind of that conversation we had about him being indispensable there was a long time here where you considered Taylor Lewan one of the indispensable guys on this roster. I asked Taylor Lewan today if he's an indispensable guy on this roster now. A part of this team right now? I don't think anybody's indispensable in this team. Um, I think, you know, go looking back in 2014, 15, 16, look at the cast of characters we had on this team. There was... When we didn't have the names or the players we do now. I think that's says a lot about John Robinson and what he's done since he's come in here. Mike Rabel, the way he's coached, uh, Todd Downing's ability to transition with a new left tackle in the game late. Um, you know, I know my value on this team, and these guys know my value. This coaching staff and the upstairs guys know the value. Um, but I need to be out in the field. I can't. I can't miss two games. Uh, because of a knee. And so I um, understand that. You know, it just, um, as far so as being, um, you know, can they get rid of me there? Um, they can get rid of me whenever they want. The they could have got rid of me, so I, I you know, two years ago, three years ago. And I'm really happy that this team's able to function when when I'm not in the game. I mean, that would be a heartbreaker if I wasn't able to play because of a left tackle who didn't win the game. That says a lot about, well, you know, it says a lot about the players, but I'm a left tackle. I'm not a quarterback. I'm not, you know, I don't want to overvalue my you know, position, you know what I'm saying? Like, left tackle is a very key part of this team, but at the same time, you know, I'm not dishing the ball to the boys. You know, Ryan Tannehill, uh, the way he's commanded this team says a lot about him and where he's taking this program. So there's an example of a great question and a great answer. That was a solid answer by Taylor Lewan that took on a difficult question because they're winning without him. It was I a great think it answer. makes a little bit of a mistake devaluing left tackle. 
Because left tackle is damn important. And well, I have, he's, I have, but, he's, but he's right. It's not quarterback. No, it's not. And on this team, it's not running back with Derrick Henry. I have talked to a couple heavyweight offensive line minds okay. who do say, don't think for a second with Ty Sambrilo or with Bobby Hart that they're doing the same stuff they'd be doing with the healthy Taylor Lewan there. Yeah, they're winning. It's a credit to Keith Carter and to Todd Downing that they're winning. But it's nothing like it would be That's if they not, had a healthy Taylor I don't Taylor think we're Luana insinuating that. So they, they, these people just wanted me to make clear. We, you know, we have seen... Don't assume that they're, they're just plugging and playing. We have seen the all-pro uh, status of Taylor Lewan. Like He's excellent when he's at his best. Um, and he's not been healthy. And when he's been back this season, you can tell he's not comfortable with his knee. I mean, that, that has been an issue. He said today he thinks he's played at a high level when he's played this year. So he doesn't feel like he's not been himself when he's played for what that's worth. Well, but, but I guess just to, have they been able to run the things that they would be running with a healthy Taylor Lewan when Taylor Lewan has been available this season? That would be my question yeah. to your experts. I, I think to a degree. To a full degree, probably not. I think he did a very good job answering that question yeah, uh, overall. I mean, that was very well said by him. And he's not indispensable. We're seeing that. I mean, they're winning without him. I, I, I still, there are two people who are indispensable on this team, I think. And one of them's it's out. definitely winning. Ryan Tannehill, and it's probably Derrick Henry, but they're 1-0 without Derrick Henry, and that's all because of the defense, but they're still 1-0 without Derrick Henry, so maybe he's right, but I mean, every team in the league that's got a good starting quarterback, that's the position that's indispensable, yep. first and foremost. You're right. Did he really say, though, that he's played at a high level in the games? That, did he not remember week one? Like, does he not remember what Chandler Jones did to this team? Chandler Jones had five sacks in that game. Didn't have another sack until last week. He was not playing I, at a I, high I, level. I don't think he would count Arizona in that. But, I, I, <laughs> but he played. But he played. Yeah, I mean, and also, I think that now that the issue with Taylor Lewan, Reed brings up a good point, but... I get this a lot of, well, Taylor Lewan played great today. He bounced back and played great. Well, he played okay. He wasn't bad, right? There's not, he's not mauling people. He's not dominating. He's not completely keep The Taylor Lewan that was all pro level was a given to be great week in week. Now when he's not going up against Chandler Jones, Taylor Lewan, people jump to, boy, Taylor Lewan was great today. Well, he wasn't great. He was good. He was fine. And right now, you'd take fine from him. First off, you'd take available, not injured, and then you would take fine, and that would be okay. That, that would be good enough for the rest of the season. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. Three keys on how the Titans beat the Saints. Guys, chime in with your thoughts as we get into key number one uh, and, and every week moving forward, but I want to stress this. Find a way. They did last week against the Rams, and I know this is cliche, but... This is what this team has been doing. They found a way. Buffalo was a huge favorite um, against the Titans. Titans found a way to beat the Bills. Kansas City was a big favorite. Titans found a way to blow out Kansas City. L.A., big favorite. Seattle was a big favorite back in week two. They found a way to win that game. That, that trend needs to continue against a Saints team that's been opportunistic on defense and a defense that can keep them in games. In all four of those examples, the Titans made big plays in all three phases. Um, and I think one of the areas that goes unnoticed is Brett Kern. Brett Kern, the last two weeks, has hit a punt inside the five that has set up a turnover. 
That's huge for momentum purposes of an offense that's down their best player. Shane Bowen was asked about Kern today and couldn't have lavished more praise on him, said he set up that whole scenario with Simmons on Stafford in the end zone and long interception that that resulted in the Swaim touchdown that then, you know, came back to the other interception. Uh, you're, you're, you're dead on with that one. And I, I stress this because they have found a way as the underdog in these games. Find a way as the favorite. Take that, care of that, business. That, Find good. a way as the because favorite. Because this is where, and I wrote this the other day, like I feel like, and every time I've said this, I know it's bad, I feel like they've graduated now. Look, they're better than the team that falls off as soon as they're a favorite after they do a bunch of good stuff as an underdog. Or are they? <laughs> Um, another cliche, but there are a lot of cliche responses to what this defense does well for the Saints when you look at what they've done over the course of the season. Drive and score. And the, the Titans have been finishing drives in the red zone. It's tough to get in the red zone and score against this Saints defense. For the season, New Orleans has allowed just 21 drives to reach the red zone. Of those 21, 10 drives have scored touchdowns. I mean, that... It's very difficult to reach the red zone against the Saints. Do it and then capitalize. Don't settle for field goals. Go get six instead of three. The Titans have done that, and then the defense has held in the red zone. Do that again this week. No problem winning. The defense that's been better than the Saints in this category was Buffalo, and the Titans took advantage of the red zone against the Bills. Do it again against the Saints. You leave with the win. Hutton, on that point, and I was seeing some of these stats about red zone defensive efficiency and stop rate for New Orleans. And I immediately thought, this is a game where they're probably going to need to get creative when they get in the red zone. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, a good I point. Mean, this I mean, is, yeah. you know, we talked about the the little basketball chess pass mm-hmm. to someone or to get throw, the run game a, a going. Throw to a, 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 a tackle, a tight end. Or tackle eligible tackle play. Tackle eligible tight end, the, yeah. the double throw, you know, the double pass, throwing it back, having someone that you're trying to leak out to get wide open. Yeah. You're going to need to get, cre- even if it's just a, a wheel route, you know, for someone that you're not accustomed to running. Something different to get creative in the red zone. I think the Titans will need that to score uh, touchdowns in this game. Be patient in the, in, in the run game. Don't be stubborn in the run game. And then set yourself up for third down success. And here's what I mean. The, the Saints have the best run defense in the league. I don't expect the Titans to run for 100 yards in this game. But... What they need to be able to do is stay patient with the run to set up some second and third and manageable. Be okay on first down to where you're not facing a second and long and that you get behind the sticks to a point where you're really up against it and you dictate the defense dictates what's coming to you. Um, New Orleans is really good at, it's, at forcing second and long, second and eight plus. Make it more manageable than that and then have success on third down. Again, this sounds simple. The Titans have done an exceptional job of playing third down defense this season. They need to be exceptional in third down offense again, and this pass game needs to come alive with A.J. Brown. Hopefully Julio Jones is ready to go. All that goes without saying. Third down defense paired with a strong third down offense, no issues here. The pressure is on New Orleans. I, I'm wiping Julio Jones from my expectations after, after today, and I'm yeah. – Disgusted with it. Um, but I, I, this goes back to the trade deadline for me. I, why expect anything different than what has happened all season? With it, This is one game on, one game off. And the hope is that once you get to the postseason, he's available. You just want him to janu- get to January. And I realize they have a nice cushion. 
But you know, how how many games is he going to give you, and what are we judging him on? We're judging him on the postseason. But what what is really enough to get them there and position them well? And how much how valuable is that one that one seed to get the extra game off the off the plate? Get one game closer to Henry possibly returning. Tying it back in with if Adam only Shepard, had signed to get a decent, Henry back in, possibly returning. If only you had signed a decent number three from an offense like I, know, that. Yeah, I don't know the I know. Rams or drafted a fourth round guy with some speed. Couple can I would have been a big help. I, I I did not mention Alvin Kamara, and uh, the reason for that is he didn't practice for a second consecutive day. Mystery, and I didn't list him as a key. My top three keys. So I don't even know if he's going to play, but he has not been good when he's played this year. He is averaging a career low 3.6 yards per carry, and he's averaging a career high 18 carries per game. So he's getting more carries and less production on an offense that desperately needs him. In 2017, he averaged six yards per carry. The last three years, he has averaged somewhere between four and a half to five yards per carry. And this year, with 18 carries a game on average, he's averaging about three and a half. He's been really bad. He is their leading receiver. Hard to believe. Their receiving core is down. 32 catches, which is not a ton. 310 yards, 9.7 average. Long of 31, four touchdowns tied for the team lead with Callaway. The run, the run game defense, though, has been really good for the Titans. The, the Saints get all the praise. The Titans, in the season opener, they allowed 131 rushing yards to Arizona. Jacksonville was the where the dam broke. They allowed 198 yards rushing. Robinson at the, the head of o- that. Yeah. The other seven games, 94 yards is the most they've allowed in the other seven games. They've been really good in that area. So if Kamara, if he plays, shore him up because all the other teams have been able to do it. If he doesn't play, don't allow any of these other backup scrubs to get going. No, and then you're putting this game on Simeon or Hill. Yeah, which is perfect. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of avenues to win this game. Still, it feels like, you know, they're going to lose a couple down the down the line here, and this feels like it could be one of them. Also, Chad, uh, as good as the Saints are at stopping the run, they stopped the run last week um, against the Falcons. Cordero Patterson had all the big plays in the pass game. You know, he had like nine carries for eight, 18 yards or something um, against the Saints rushing defense. But Matt Ryan, he completed 75% of his passes last week against New Orleans for 343 yards and two touchdowns. So, uh, ultimately, it's on the passing performance of Tannehill. Protect the football and distribute to your weapons. Get the ball to A.J. Brown. Again, it's all very simple in a formulaic uh, aspect, at least for me, when I think about how the Titans win this. Uh, I know it won't be that simple Sunday at Nissan Stadium, but Tannehill and A.J. Brown show up and you get some help in the run game on first down, better than what we saw last week. And the defense doesn't have to be as opportunistic, but is capable of being opportunistic. They beat the they beat the Saints and move on to the Texans. Hutton, it's not often that your alma mater makes national news, but it is a headline story about the decision in Murfreesboro with MTSU moving. And <laughs> I, I'm not joking. It's a headline story. I saw three different websites. It was the last story on the front page ticker, but about MTSU's decision and what it means. Slow news day. The funeral. No, it's big. The funeral next on Outkick 360. It's big. Outkick 360 rolls on. 
Coming up tomorrow, Bobby Carpenter will join us. Jill Savage from Outkick the Tailgate, which will be in Knoxville, number one Georgia, coming to Neyland Stadium. We will be there Saturday morning, 10, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 a.m. Central across the Outkick network, which includes YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Shout out to the uh, radio network as well. Uh, listening uh, across the Upper Cumberland, Sports Radio 104.7, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, Florence, Alabama. We say hello to you, plus Fox Sports, Knoxville. So MTSU, Hutton, has decided to stay put in a nine-team Conference USA nice instead of number. going to the MAC. Yeah, well. MAC. I'm not sure the MAC was a great option either way. Let me put it to you like this. Why do you think Western Kentucky want to go to the MAC and not MTSU? Because why would you want to stay in Conference USA? Yep. Right? Everyone's bolting, and you look like you, look like you don't have a plan if you stay put while everyone else is leaving the conference. Um, and that, that's exactly the way I view this for, for Middle and for Western. Western, though, tried to leave. It sounds like Western would have left. But the MAC didn't want Western unless Middle it's was coming too. Deal. It's yep. a package deal, and, it, and honestly, they're it also be. twelve teams. They wanted to stay right, right. You know, even numbers even. and go to fourteen. And that, that makes total sense. Um, it also appears as though Middle doesn't have the money to leave. That's a that's a massive issue for them. As one big donor who doesn't donate anymore uh, to Middle. Um, sent me this week, and it's a great oh, line. I thought you were I, talking about yourself. No, not me. Uh, I, <laughs> As I, one I, big donor. I talk to the money. I, I am not the money, okay? <laughs> um, he said, I, I said, uh, I, I sent them the tweet from MTSU Athletics that said, we're excited for the future. More big things are coming for Blue, Blue Raider Athletics. They are, they are getting destroyed for this tweet. More, what, big, more things. big things. What, like on top more of what sitting around things? and waiting, more terrible basketball play, more empty stadiums at Floyd Stadium on Saturdays. I mean, I'm a huge Blue Raider supporter, and I will be till I die, but this is pathetic. They look like they don't have a direction or a plan in place, and the, there's been no statement other than this saying, hey, we're going to stay put in the Conference USA. Why? Explain everything to us. Uh, they announced some upgrades to facilities five years ago, and they're not even scheduled to break ground until next year. I mean, they are in, in the a world, world, schedule, world, of they hurt. world of hurt. They're, they're stuck in a uh, contract turmoil uh, with uh, their, their coach and and. Every, everyone's connected to everyone else's contract um, is the way it seems. You stay, I'll stay. You leave, I've got to leave too. So everyone's protecting everyone. But here, here's what the guy told me. He said, he said more, more big things are coming for Blue Raider Athletics. And the, uh, this guy sends a text and says, the funeral is next. We are nothing more than a four-year junior college with no identity. And then the next text was, oh, and by the way, the funeral will be a cremation because the burial costs too much. That's, wow. that's the perception of MTSU athletics right now. So it seems to me it's pretty simple that I think the number's $8 million that Conference USA is getting because of the exit fees right. of the teams that left them. And no, MTSU it, can't pay it, the exit MTSU fee. is saying we would rather take the check from others' exit fee <laughs> instead of maybe doing what's right for us long-term because – we can't afford both the entrance fee to the MAC and the exit fee to get out of Conference USA. Other programs could. They're going to go on to a better situation, What's whether it be the AAC fee? or the Sun Belt. And then I don't know what it is exactly, but I, I think they're making over they're making over eight million. I think with all this going on, just from teams leaving, and it would have cost USA. them conceivably eleven. It's a short they can't term. Can't afford eleven. It's a short term cash play. Well, they need money. 
here's here's the biggest issue I have. And again, like I, I I'm not angry. I'm not. I'm not sad about You're it. Apathetic. I just. I have no feeling towards it. Yeah. Because they Which have set apathy themselves is up. A bad for this. thing. I feel bad for them for the money that they had to spend, and every team had to spend last year during COVID with all these ridiculous tests and everything else going on, just to play the Conference USA football season. Right. Like to me, the the money spent for Conference USA football season is a little bit more uh, detrimental to the programs at these schools compared to what the SEC was doing on a much higher level and what the, and the access to resources that they have. Um, but the cost for these tests are virtually the same school to school. Um, the budgets are difficult to maintain. It, it, Middle tried to keep it going by going on the road when games were canceled to go play Army. I mean, they wanted to play. I commend them for it. This is all last year. They, all this is going to – and I, you know my mantra on this. It's not Tennessee's problem. It's not Auburn's problem or Michigan or any of those schools that Middle Tennessee can't – you know, can't balance their own budget. They shouldn't have to play or pay these teams like MTSU to come play them these million-dollar contracts for these home these home game series where there's no nothing in return but a paycheck for these kids that are going up and playing in the big house or wherever. It, it bothers me. Uh, if you can't maintain your athletic budget, you shouldn't be in Division One. That uh, that's harsh. That's also reality. I deal in reality here, and right now. Middle's nowhere close to having a budget to jump around conferences. They'd rather stay in Conference USA because it costs them nothing. In fact, they'll probably make money because teams were leaving. Meanwhile, you have teams like Liberty jumping into Conference USA. Well said, Hutton. And I think it's all about short-term cash. Before we close out here, can I give you guys some bowl projections for Tennessee? That actually is a lot better than you would think. I saw one really good one. I'm wondering well, it's if about the matchup. That. Like yeah. it's not the bowl game as much as these are the matchups being projected right now. Can we uh, for Tennessee? Can we guess? Sure. Go yeah. ahead. You want to guess I, bowl I, I, or I, opponent? Oh, I don't know about opponent. So Music City Bowl. I yes. saw a Gator. All right. So Music City. If you, you name it, I'll I'll tell you who's got them. Music City Bowl projection comes from. If I can find it, That's Yahoo Sports. December twenty seventh has Tennessee in the Music City Bowl against Wisconsin. That's right? a good matchup. Big time I saw, program I matchup. saw them in a Gator Bowl, I think. Tax Slayer Bowl, which is yeah. really the Gator Bowl. That's how we all know, lovingly refer Birmingham. to it. Birmingham. It was a good matchup, Everyone too. Everyone likes to throw Birmingham It was around. a good matchup. What, yes. what, was the, what was the Tax Slayer Bowl matchup? Wake Forest. Yeah. Oh. That's Tennessee in the Tax Slayer Bowl. Other, now, this is the big one. <laughs> I can't believe I just got excited about Tennessee Wake Forest. Well, it's the program. Now, <laughs> if you, hey, if you get excited Times about that, are changing, Chad. Wait, wait yeah, till huh? this one. January 4th. Texas Bowl versus Texas. Yes, UT First yeah, matchup absolutely. since 1969 Cotton Bowl. Let's Texas go. is 2 and 1 all time versus Tennessee. They didn't play in 50 the years. The thing that sucks me to Birmingham. me is that Let's these go. games are after <laughs> Texas, after semifinals. Texas I thought you said Birmingham. The Texas Bowl, believe it or not, is played in, in Texas. No, no thought, they should I, move no, to thought, Texas Bowl. My bad. What, so where are they going to play in Birmingham? What's the projection for I've Birmingham? I've not seen any Birmingham. Now that they beat Kentucky, they're, too good for Birmingham. they're past Birmingham. <laughs> okay, good. The worst good bowl game. But here's a great matchup. The other one that I've seen is this is from uh, Brett McMurphy and Mark Schlebaugh. And they both have Tennessee in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. That's the Charlotte. That's formerly the Belk Bowl in Charlotte against North Carolina. Nah. So That's the least interesting Tennessee, to me North Carolina, Bort, Ty Chandler, the leading rusher for... Yeah. No, okay. You didn't, no. That's not going to do it for me. Well, then this one's really not going to do it for That's fourth ranking for us. This one's really not going to... This one's going to be fifth. This one's really not going to blow your skirt up when I give you this one. <laughs> Actually, it's not too bad. Tennessee versus Miami in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Yeah. 
rematch of the 85 Sugar Bowl for those that would like to go oh, back. Oh, 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 now that you say rematch. No, yeah. I like those first three. Wisconsin and Tennessee in Nashville, here in Nashville, would be a dream for the Music City Bowl people. We wouldn't be able to get into this room no. right here because it well, would also, overflow You're actually going to have... There. Tennessee's going to be a hot commodity because unlike, let's say, Florida at 6-6, six and six, right. no Florida fan's going to want to go to a bowl game. Every Tennessee fan's going to want to go to the bowl game. And Wisconsin year. is going to come to Nashville. I'm rooting, They've I'm been rooting here a lot. for the Texas yeah, Bowl. They'll come again. Rooting yeah. for the Texas Bowl. That Texas Bowl it. with Tennessee and Texas would be fun. Hey, fun show today. We're back at it tomorrow. Join us as uh, we get you ready for the college football and NFL weekend on Outkick 360. Please don't block the box and do lock the locks.